to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is Grant Voicy. Grant is one of the most experienced business development managers in the equipment rental industry, working at Coates Hire for over 25 years. Fast forward to today, Grant stepped outside of the equipment rental industry and he's now the business development manager at Hoisting Equipment Specialists. Grant, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first became involved in the equipment rental industry? Yeah, I started um, in Coates Hire back in uh, February 1995. I came in the rental industry that was, I, I actually came out of the um, uh, hospitality industry. I had my own restaurant in Cronulla for a little bit with a, with a partner. Um, got out of that and I helped a mate out in the trucking industry and anyway, when I finished with him, uh, I was looking for another job and it was either between there or uh, the Kotai or the Novotel at, um, at Brighton there to work in there in the, in the chefing department. But um, my wife, who I met prior to coming to Coates, as my fiancé at that time, said, you, would you like to me to work at the Novotel? Odd hours, or do you want me to work at Coates? Normal hours, and it came about where I end up. She made a decision. I want a family life. I want to bring up the kids the way we want to bring up, so we don't depend on relatives or friends on that to look after the kids. I'd like a family life, so I said, okay, I'll go for a job at Coates. So I did. I um, applied in the paper from the Telegraph back in those days, and um, went for an interview with Glenn Martin, who was the branch manager down in Coates Hire at Alexandria. And Graham Hanna, back in those days, who was the operations manager at Coates, I um, went down for an interview with both of those guys. And two weeks later, I got a phone call for a second interview, came back, had a second interview, and I started down at Alexandria branch as a um, assistant branch manager at that particular branch. And then life went on from there, I suppose, in Coates. My career um, developed. I started um, in that branch. I was in there for about two years. Um, two to three years I think it was and um, Fox Studios decide to um, uh, build a um, Fox Studio over in Moore Park which was the, the old uh, showgrounds decided to put in a, a Fox Studios over there and um, Jack King um, who helped me in a way I suppose get a job within Coates as being a salesperson in there uh, looked after the particular client back over then which, which was civil and civic back in those days, who's now Glenn Lease today, um, went over there and developed a relationship with the customer and we decided to um, put a branch on site. The reason why and putting that branch on site was to help the customer out, saves deliveries coming in and out and waiting for deliveries or waiting for goods to come in. Because um, in the construction, it's very brutal, brutal time for them to, to get a building done to get a, a project finished. So um, Jack came up with this idea of um, putting a um, site facility there, which is putting an actual Coates Hire branch on site. So with all the rental equipment from your access gear to your small tools to many other variety of equipment that Coates carried in their fleet. I was asked then if I would like to become the manager of that facility. So um, I came the manager of that facility um, it was very successful. Customer was very happy with the outcome of that facility. I uh, left that facility halfway through it. Coates asked me to go down and start another facility in, in the Nara area, 
which was for another customer, which I did, which we end up generating a, a branch down there in Coates Hire and buying out one of our opposition companies down there to uh, open Coates Hire on the South Coast. That time I was actually in sales. I was doing a bit of sales and a bit of operations roles and had two hats, as so to speak, on my head. And I was running the, the Wollongong branch as well as looking after the, the sales side of things as well until we opened up a branch in the Nara area. I then came out of that. I uh, was asked to move back to Sydney. So I did as my role as a, as a salesperson. I then took on the Kurawee branch and the Alexandria branch. So the St. George and Southern Shire area and also the Sydney area as to be their account manager. Hey, Rental Journal podcast listeners. Did you know that most salespeople spend less than 50% of their time actually selling? Arrow lives at the intersection of your systems you use most. So you can replace the many with one just simple, powerful tool. Generate, manage and close deals inside Arrow. Manage inventory and send quotes in just three clicks. Not only is Arrow a sales tool, but it's also a growth tool. Run marketing campaigns right out of Arrow to your ad and social accounts, text and share products with customers directly, and get text responses in Arrow chat. Best of all, no data entry. Finally, a powerful way to close deals from anywhere. Unlock your growth with Arrow, the tool built for the heavy equipment industry to generate, manage, and close big deals in a simple, powerful way. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, but be sure to shoot Arrow a DM on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn to learn more. Um, which I um, I took on board. Mate, you've just given me an entire history in, in two minutes, man. It's quite, a, quite an amazing achievement yeah. just in that. Yeah. Wow. So, all right, let's go back to the start a little bit because I'm interested in asking a question. So, you went from, uh, did you say you were a chef in, in the hospitality industry? Was that yeah, I did. I did my chefing in the hospitality industry. I started at the airport Hilton, at uh, the airport there, obviously, and uh, I, I did eight years with them. So I did my, um, I first started there as a pot washer, washing pots and pans. Uh, I was only part-time at the time. And um, the chef came out of the kitchen and says, I want that guy full-time. So um, I kind of came into their kitchen hand department as a supervisor, full-time. And then um, chef called me one day and he says, I want that guy in the kitchen. And that's how I began, became in the kitchen because I, I left school and in 1982 and um, the industry that I want to be in building or electrical or plumbing, there was just nothing around for us back in those days. So I had to take a different um, avenue in my career path. And my father said, always, son, I want you to have some sort of career behind you, something you can fall back to even if you change it a few years down the track. So that's what I did, and I spent nearly eight years with um, the Hilton Hotel, and uh, I did many of courses and uh, management courses and so forth within that uh, organisation. I left there after the chefing. I uh, went down the south coast, opened a delicatessen coffee lounge with a friend. Things are a little bit quiet down there for Boise, so I decided to come back to Sydney to my family up here in Ingardine. Then I went into a restaurant at Cronulla with a a business um, developer, I've had a business as a developer. He asked me to come in the restaurant with him. Spent a few years in the restaurant there. We decided to get out of it. And then um, that's when I came about working in Coates not long after that. 
So, so talk to me about the transition because working in hospitality as a, as a chef and then transitioning to an assistant branch manager is a completely different industry. So like, how, how did that happen? Like, like, how did you just know to work in, like how to work at a Kotsai branch? Like, what was it like? What, what year are we talking about here? We, well, I started in Coates in 1995. So this happened just before 1995. I had actually um, met my wife. I was actually financing a truck for a friend of mine who had a trucking business. And um, my wife then worked for Sander Finance back in those days. And um, I met her when I did the finance for the truck. And um, we connected. And I think she saw Grant had a bit of money in his back pocket. I'm going to take this guy on board. <laughs> I'm going I'm to marry this guy. <laughs> so anyway, we met and uh, we ended up getting engaged. And um, I was going to, um, I was planning to go back into the hotel up into the Novotel in, in Brighton there. The executive chef up there then was Schaefer. I'm oh, sorry, Heiner, not Schaefer, Heiner. And uh, Heiner was going to take me on board in that kitchen. Uh, my wife and I decided, well, she didn't want me to work stupid hours. What you do in the that industry, I'd like you to start at Coates High. If you can get a job at Coates, start at Coates, just to work your Monday to Friday and you know the occasional Saturdays, weekend work. So that's, that's how it all kind of began. But I guess like deciding that you're going to stop being a chef one day and then going to be an assistant branch manager, like what was the process there? Because like it, it just like what was the build up? Did you just decide? Did you know anything about construction or equipment? Like what, what happened in that process? Knew nothing about construction. Not a thing. Yeah, I knew about my chainsaws, you know, because you use them at home or your plate compactors or your, your demo saws and had a bit of, bit of a little mechanical back my, uh, back, um, background there, but not a lot, only through playing around with things at home. It was a big call to make at that time, um, changing from one in industry to another industry. And I thought to myself, well, Coates is a big company. They, they want to grow. They want to go grow further. So um, I thought to myself, well, so my wife, I might as well go on that journey and, and try and grow with a, with a big organization. Mm. And so your first role was assistant branch manager, and then you transitioned into sales as well, you said then? Like, what was the transition for your roles over time? Okay. I started, in, started as assistant branch manager at Alexandria Branch, learned all about the, the branch, learned about the equipment, um, because, you know, if you don't know about your equipment and how your equipment operates, you don't feel comfortable in what you're selling. You've got, you've got to be comfortable in what you're selling. So it was to, all to learn about the Kotai gear, how, they, how, they, how their gear works, how it operates, and if there's breakdowns or anything, how to, how to you fix people over the phone. And then straight after that, when, when I stayed in the branch for a while, I learned all about the equipment and how the equipment worked. And to this day, you still learn. It's, it's not, you don't learn everything, you know, but knowing the, the fundamentals of that equipment and how it all operates and how it works. I um, then was asked, to go over and manage the um, branch over at Fox Studios, which I did. And the general manager back in those days basically said to Jack, I want that bloke out on the road. Um, he's made successful um, revenue over here in this particular branch on site. He's great with the customers. We need him out on the road. And that's how that all began. Before I went out on the road, I actually went, I did go to Wollongong as a salesperson. I did take on the branch there as a branch manager part of the way through as well, and then um, tried to grow Wollongong while I was down there through that um, other branch down on the south coast, down around Narra. And then um, once I um, done my duty down there for Coates, then I was asked to come back to Sydney to try and develop the Southern Shire 
uh, Cogger area and also the Sydney area. So it'd be great to dive into this Fox Studios on-site branch a little bit more. So can you break down, I guess you explained a little bit about the purpose, but what the actual makeup is it? Is it like a portable branch that actually goes on site? Is it a permanent branch? Like what's the actual operations of the branch that it's actually actually on site? It's a, it's a portable branch on site. So you're basically putting equipment over there, the, com- the common equipment that customers use. The whole idea of it is to stop the lead time in transport in and out of the site where the customer can come to you, grab the piece of equipment, go and do their day job and then bring it back again. It's, it's more to try and help the customer be a bit more efficient on their site, the day-to-day running of their site. So it doesn't matter if it's the main customer on site, civil and civic, back in those days it was, to the subcontractor that's on site. It's all about you and helping them and saves them a bit of cost of money too, in a way, transport. Back in those days, it, it wasn't too much about, you know, sustainability coming on site with the, with the fumes and trucks and so forth like that. But if I can go into the Barangaroo site, which we had a site facility as well, a branch on site, we talked about the sustainability of trucks running in and out of the site all the time with fumes and, you know, the, the economy you know, sucking all that up and trucks delivering into town, more traffic on the road and all that sort of stuff. It was trying to stop all that from happening. And so is it manned like a normal branch and someone's just managing transactions when the tools are coming in and out? 100%. So it was, it's, it's just all about managing that branch and the transactional, as you said, of tools coming in and out of that day-to-day. And there is a bit of sales role there. It's not just all about managing the branch. It's, it's money, managing the customer's needs and building relationships and trust with your customers while on site. And that certainly gave me a big kickoff within the, um, the sales game, being on the road, because um, sales is sales. Sales, you can sell anything. It's all about building that trust, building that confidence with that customer, that customer's going to trust with you. And you got that with a customer, as far as I'm concerned, you've got a customer for life. Mm. Yeah, and look, working at Coates for 25 years is, is an amazing achievement. You would have built some amazing relationships over that, that period of time, both internally and externally. Oh, definitely. I did. And um, I built a lot of relationships inside Coates, and I certainly built a lot of relationships outside of Coates. Now, inside of Coates, um, I took on board anything Coates wanted me to do. With me and, and Jack, who I've always looked up to in Coates uh, as my mentor, We've always done kids' Christmas parties at Coates. We did it for 20 years, kids' Christmas parties, me turning up at Santa Claus. This is all building relationship and building trust with your, with your peers. Doing Melbourne Cup days, Bathurst V8s, 20 years. Jack and I started the very first Bathurst 20 years ago, over 20 years ago now. Last year, I think, was the first year that I ever missed Bathurst, or the year before, actually, because we had COVID. But... Um, yeah, and, and, and anything Coates asked me to do within the Coates facility or in the Coates business organisation, I took it on board because I want to be part of that team and want everyone else to be part of that team and, and, and know that they had trust in me. Outside of Coates and my customers, it's 25 years was it's been a big time to, to develop customer relationship and developing those relationships with customers. And there's times where... I used to go and pick up customers to take them to a Coates function and drop them off and I wasn't even going to the function and going back and picking them up again because I believed in them and they believed in me. And I had very big success 
with a few of my clients and I had a very bad accident at Coates quite a few years ago where I nearly lost my life within Cotire. The machine, and I'll tell the story, but it's a machine that jammed up against the fence at our Kirawee branch. When I was in hospital, the amount of customers that came and actually saw me was meant that I've done my job. I've built something with these people. I tr- these people trust me and what they do. They respected me and I respected them to what they did for me. Mm, that just must have been an amazing feeling knowing that like there's love there really. Like there's, they, they, they trust you and they believe in you as, as, a, as a partner. They do. And, you know, I've always believed, in, you know, put yourself in the customer's shoes. Be part of their business. Understand their business. They know what you're there selling. But my selling skill to the to a customer is understand what they want, understand their needs, and feel that you want to work for them and make them feel that way. You got that, you've got a customer for life. Mm. I, I love how you spoke about the, the the amount of effort you put internally as well, because and the fact that you wanted to take on more, you wanted to do whatever Coates wanted you to do. I feel like a lot of people like they 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 always question where their career is going, but they're not willing to do more or put themselves out there or actually build culture and organization and build a team up. Because when you've got people like yourself that are working at a company, when you're promoting, you're doing more and you're doing the kids' Christmas party, for example, it levitates everyone else around them, including your team and other teams as well. I think it's an amazing culture to build when you've got people like that in, in, a, in, a, in a group. It is, and it certainly is. And yeah, you don't get everyone doing that or working together. Uh, and I'll say, Jack and I had worked for many years on those sort of things, you know, to show that you want to be that role model within your organisation. Whatever Coates asked me to do, I never said no. I always took it on board because I want to be a part of their business and part of their team to work with them. So did you want to talk through this accident a little bit more? Because I think safety is something that's becoming more and more relevant uh, as the time goes on. Uh, what was the scenario that you were in at that point in time? Um, how did it all unfold? And sort of how do you get out of the situation? Well, it was all related around a customer. <laughs> this all happened. A machine left our yard only across the road from the branch. Customer bought the machine back. Was, wasn't happy because the machine wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. I was in the branch at the time and I, I grabbed this um, scissor lift. He, he brought it back in. We drove it up near the fence. I made a, did a silly move. I, um, I I took the control panel outside of the machine and put it uh, uh, took it off the machine and put it on the outside of the machine. It uh, it virtually it ran me up against the fence, the machine. Whichever way I pushed the controls, it ran me up against the fence and it caught me between the solid part of the fence, which was the post, concrete in the ground. I saw stars and um, luckily someone came out from the branch door, um, saw there was obviously going something going on. And next minute, there was rescue, police, ambos. They were all there at the scene. They rushed me to St. George Hospital under siren. And I came to it part the way through the on the ambulance journey. The ambulance or the paramedic said to me that, you know, don't panic when we get to hospital. There's going to be multiple doctors on the, around you. We're more concerned about the toxins that can hurt you in, in your bloodstream that can kill people. So got to the St. George Hospital. They um, put me into theatre, into a room straight away, had all these doctors. Anyway, I ended up going into a high dependency unit. But the biggest shock was my kids were only young then. Family coming in and, and seeing me 
the way I was, wires all over me. I was not fully to it at the time as well because obviously um, drugged up with drugs. It was it was a very devastating moment for my for my family, um, not only family, even my work colleagues, um, seeing me in hospital like that. That night, I actually um, I took a bad turn uh, in hospital, and um, they had me in theatre within minutes, and um, I had a small operation to my aorta, which had been squashed uh, for due, due to the accident. But um, yeah, if anyone safety on site. I just say to them, guys, take five, step back and have a look at what you're doing. Don't rush into anything. I know it, it might be you getting injured, but all your friends are getting injured around you and your colleagues at work are getting injured as well by the state you're in. And, and that happened to me and it happened to customers. You know, it's, it, was, it's, it was incredible at the time, you know, the amount of shock a lot of people went into to what actually took me. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Like even for me, I, we just had our first uh, our first child, Joshua, um, 12, eleven weeks ago. So, it, like even more, just my mental state. Like I, I feel like I've changed a little bit knowing that there's someone that's like I brought into the world and I'm watching him grow. I can't imagine that pain or that fear that you would have had when your family would have seen you in that state. It's something that you can't really comprehend. Uh, it, it was very hard to comprehend because you know my wife couldn't even leave the kids. Um, she just basically came in the hospital, get him out, he's all right, don't worry about him. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him. And when the doctor turned around and said, your husband nearly lost his life, there was six minutes I could have been a vegetable, basically. That's what they were saying, six minutes. That, that's kind of all I had. And they turned around and then they had to take the kids out of the hospital. The kids couldn't cope being there because they were only young at that stage. So the, to look at their dad in bed, with all the wires and tubes and everything hanging out of him. Yeah. But it, it takes, it, it's just not your family it takes effects. It takes effect on a lot of people and people you're close with as well. It certainly does. And especially your colleagues at work, because they had to back up for me to try and do my job while I was off work, because I was off work for a good couple of months. You know, I was, I was in hospital for nearly a month. So, you know, it took a lot of, it put a lot of pressure on other people as well in the workplace. And then, so when you went back to work, what was your mindset? Was there a bit of uh, anxiety? What, what was the sort of thought process there? It opened my eyes to know how close I was. And I stood back and I thought to myself, I'm going to watch every move I take when I'm, when I'm acting on something. And if I see something else in the workplace that's going to be dangerous for anyone else, I certainly tell them. Even if it's from wearing a harness or putting on a, a vest, or wearing safety glasses in, in your workplace, you know, in your work areas, are very, very safety focused. And to this day, very focused safety. Even walking on a project and watching a truck break black out of a site and not have anyone behind him to guide him on to a main road, very critical and very, very focused, I suppose, around safety on that today, massively. And so, do you think, like, obviously, I, I like you, over time safety has really become like a core component of every construction, rental business, anything in relating to equipment and people really. So back then, like, did you see a big evolution? And when did that really kick in, do you think, from not just yourself, but an organizational standpoint? Safety's always been there in, in any business. Years ago, it wasn't there as much. But today, because of the amount of accidents happening in the workplace, 
customers and companies are very focused more on how do they make the place safe for them today. You know, they're more diligent. You know, they're they're more focused on it because a lot of guys out there are only keen to get the job done, but don't understand. You know, the the recurrence if any does happen uh, on that project or in in, in a company's um, workyard on what could happen to that person. And they've got to have these safety measures or workplace practices for safety in, in place. Otherwise, people will be just doing the stupid old same thing and what they were doing many, many years ago. You know, mm. it was like going to the bushfires. We used to go in thongs, <laughs> thongs and thongs and, and shorts. Look at today. They're in fully fired out fired equipment, you know, fired retardant equipment to go to the fires. Because mm. um, it was never focused. It was never... Never, never really. But the young ones today, in, 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 they, they just take it on their own ability to think, you know, let's get the job done, but not thinking about what can, what can actually happen if um, something did get, did went wrong. I think the, the key, and you mentioned this, is to not rush. Take your time. If there's pressure from a customer to get it delivered faster or, or whatever it is, or if there's pressure from your, your company to, hey, you, you need to complete X amount of jobs or installs or whatever it is in a day, don't skip the little stuff. Like I remember once I was working with a customer and they're doing their, their tick and flick or their take five. And uh, it was an electronic one. And what someone said, is there a select all button? It's like, what sort of defeats mm. the purpose of a take five? Yeah. If you're selecting all, you should be going through and checking each one individually and taking the time and not rushing these sort of things. No, exactly. And, 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 that, and that's why I, I like the, the, type, the take five method, you know, Stand back and, and, and look and, and assess the, the situation before going into it, working with anything, especially with access gear. Sit back and have a look. It's not your safety on the machine. It's the safety of the people around you as well. Think about them. How, how do you guard them off from your machine? Anyone can drop a tool. I've seen tools drop out of those machines and hit people in the head. You know, Have a think about not just yourself, but think about the people that are working around you as well. How can you make it safe for them? Oh, Grant, so where are you working today? Today I've um, been getting with a company called HES, Hoisting Equipment Specialist. Hoisting Equipment Specialist is all around your rigging, lifting equipment and height safety equipment. Um, this company's been going for approximately 40 years now. They've wanted me to come on board. They want to try and uh, build their uh, business to the next level. So they've been after me for a little bit to to come on, trying to help them come on this journey. So um, I've decided, yes, um, I'm going to do it. So I've made the move. But I really came on board as well just to be part of their team. I want I want to be part of that um, growing team and come on that journey with them to try and help them grow to the next level. And it's, it's not just all done through one person. Um, it's done as a team effort. Big learning curve, I suppose, to be in this game. It, it, it's, it's all around safety. Um, it's not just about handing over a bit of a chain or a, a sling to a customer, or whatever. This this gear is 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 enlivened danger for people to to use if they're not using it rightly or correctly or using the right tonnage of stuff. It's a lot more thinking pattern in in, in looking after um, or selling this sort of gear to the customer, and, and it's really under, really understanding the customer's needs and what they're doing with it. Because um, pick up a bit of gear, people's lives could be in, in hands if anything drops. Um, yeah, there's a lot of questions. It's a big learning curve uh, in this game. It's something totally different to obviously what I was doing um, with hiring gear out. Yeah, you still got to ask those sort of questions, but here 
you're liable for when you're when you're selling a bit of gear to customer. Make sure that they're using that bit of gear in, a, in the correct manner. Yeah, I remember I lived in in Hornsby. There was an apartment building getting built next to our apartments, and there was a tower crane there, and it fell over while I was having breakfast on, the, on my balcony. So I, was, I watched this thing collapse basically live. Uh, and I was just like, how does that happen? Like, like it's in a, like a, a main street, like of Hornsby. It's, there's apartments all around them. Luckily, no one was hurt because no one was actually in that complex, but it could have easily spread over to another building and whatnot. But something like that happens, it's, it can be deadly, as you said, to multiple people. Multiple people, yeah. And you know, it's not maybe the people you're working around, but it could be the public outside. Yeah, it, someone's walking their dog on the street way. and then, yeah. Well, exactly. And it is critical is to make sure that, you know, especially the height safety stuff, that these people are using the, the right gear in, in the right manner. And it's, all it is is just asking those, those right questions um, because some people ring up and they don't know what they want. Well, they know what they want, but... Asking them, you know, what tonnage they're picking up and what what they're using it for, and how big's the load, how how big's the slinging of the load. Yeah, and there's so many so many questions you can ask. It's it's unbelievable to make sure that they they get the right bit of gear they're looking for. So, so working at Coats for 25 years and learning that craft, like you would, your understanding of the customer base and the products and the internal processes and all the projects, a, a lifetime of learning there. And then you started that learning process again. Like, is that something that excited you? Like, what made you decide to, to take on that challenge? It's definitely a different learning, um, a new learning of um, products. Even though Coates, you know, you, you still had this sort of product in their business. But um, it's it's totally a different learning curve. If um, And it's an eye-opener, actually, um, making sure that you're, you're selling the right product. Um, to the customer, making sure that the customer is um, using this product in the right manner. It's lifting gear, you know, picking up, you know, equipment with you know, chains or slings, making sure that they're they're getting the right gear to to do the job for them. Because um, it's people's lives anywhere on on a job site, anywhere in the building industry or the manufacturing industry or the filming industry. Um, it's making sure that they've got the right gear to, to get the job done for them. Um, and it's asking a lot more questions, I suppose, and hiring out a bit of gear, as we did at Coates. Because uh, um, as I said, if they don't have the right gear, something drops. You know, it's our, our duty of care to make sure that um, the, these people are, are using this gear in the right manner. So what was the – it would have been pretty daunting – to switch yeah as i said 25 years new job talk me through the mental side of it we tossing and turning for a period of time like walk me through that and I, i've been tossing and turning for this job christine's been after me for probably 12 years now to try and come over and i wasn't ready to leave then and i i, I know it in myself i wasn't ready to go there was a lot of things going through my head because there's a lot of good people in coats a lot of good. It's still a great business. It is a great. It's still a great organisation. It's a big cog, turning, but yeah, it, it was very hard to make that decision. I was, well, be honest with you. On my last day or my announcement to the team, I actually cried over the phone 
or over the over the Zoom meeting we had, and it, it made it very hard to to break that news that um, I was losing leaving that organisation. I felt for a lot of people, especially my mate Jack. Yeah, my, my mate Jack was because I know he was close, getting close to retirement, and it broke my heart leaving him because I felt like I was leaving a mate on the lurch. But as I said to him, Jack, I'm always here for you. Doesn't matter if it's in coats, wherever we are today, we'll always be mates and we'll always stick by each other. And um, yeah, but yeah, mate, it was it, it, it was a big decision. It was a big call to make to, to, to walk out of that door today or walk out of that door last year, uh, end, of, end of the year before. It was it was a very, very hard call to make. Yeah. Now, look, I congratulate you for taking on that sort of challenge because it's uh, the easy the easy route would have been just to work at Coates for another 20 years or however long you wanted to do it and just ride into the sunset. And I think the fact that you want to give back to the community and try and help another business and grow them and continue your learning, mentor people in that organization, I'm sure you're going to be mentoring other people outside of that business over time. I think it's an amazing achievement of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was, man. That's what it's all about, mate. And, and trying to mentor um, other people in this business and trying to give them an understanding of customers. And, you know, we had a few little, uh, hicc- not hiccups, but, you know, things I weren't happy when I when I first in there listening to people and uh, listening to staff talk to customers. And, mate, turn around and think, that person coming over, paying that money over the counter, they're paying us to work here. They're, parting, they're paying for our business to, to expand. We need that customer. So we need their here to look after these people. And we want these people to come in with a good experience to come back to our business at HES. All right. Well, if you could give some advice to the next generation, a new person becoming a yardie or a branch manager or a driver or salesperson or whatever it is, what would you say to that person? All I say to those people is don't put yourself on the top runner when you first walk into a company. Be part of the team. Work together, share information, share, share safety. If you see a safety moment, share it to them. If you see something wrong, tell the people. Don't be afraid, but be part of that team. Do what the company asks you to do. If you can take on something else in the company and outside of maybe your role in, in that business as a truck driver or a salesperson, take it on board. Take that challenge because that challenge will make you succeed in a business. Never say no. Yeah, that's I love that advice. Like that's something that, as I said, a lot of I hate I hate when people say that's not my job. I absolutely hate that. People saying that's my job. Everyone's everyone's job in the organization. It doesn't matter if you're a truck driver or you're a salesperson or whatever. You even you are the manager in the business. I used to help truck drivers unload their trucks out in the yard because we're one team. That's all we are. There's nothing I in team. It's one team. We all work together. Working together makes a successful business. I had um, I had the GM of WA at Can I Tire on the podcast, and he was he was telling me a story about Al Besling when he was the CEO at Can I Tire. Al Bezo. Bezo. <laughs> and um, he, he told this story about how he was doing the branch tours, going around different locations, and uh, he was at this, I can't remember what branch it was, I think it was in Melbourne, and a customer pulled up with a, with a, a truck and they wanted to unload something. And then Bezo ran out of the branch as the CEO and was helping the customer unload the equipment. Like that's what you want to build up in an organization, that sort of culture. Mate, that that's the culture because you get some managers in some business businesses sit back and think, well, 
I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to help these people. Get involved. Everyone has to get involved from the general manager to the CEO, right in a big organisation like Coates, from the CEO right through. All work together, help each other. If you see someone struggling, help them. If you see them struggling to pick up a box, help them pick, pick that box up. That's what builds culture and that's what builds trust or lovingness, I suppose, within within your organisation is working together. Mm, love it. Love it. So who do you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective? In my career with Coates, you know, obviously being there for over just over 25 years with the business, the main one, I suppose, I still look up to, I suppose, today and, and, and respect today is uh, Glenn Martin, who employed me, who was originally the branch manager uh, at Alexandria Branch when I first started uh, with Coates Hire. He moved his way through the business and worked in uh, various different roles and eventually ended up as a general manager in the New South Wales um, Coates business. And to this day, he, he's still in the industry, but not in the rental side of it. He's in the sales side of things now, but uh, running a large organisation. So I've always um, looked at, looked up to, to Glenn, very very knowledgeable bloke, and um, I always respected him in our business. But so Jack King was my other person I looked up to. Jack and I worked very, very close together. We did a lot for Coates in our time. And um, we threw everything off each other. He helped me build my relationships with some of the customers. Um, he has a great um, technique, I suppose, on building relationships and building trust with your customers. And that's what sales is all about at the end of the day, um, is, is trying to, to build that relationship and build that trust and getting that customer to trust you in what you do and, and, and delivering on your promise to them. And Jack was very good at that. And... I always look, I, I respected him and uh, he led me in the right direction at the end of the day. But yeah, I had a, quite a few sales managers because business of Coates changed over the years I've been there, different acquisitions that they had taken on board. Now, Chris Radden was another great guy and he was our sales manager and he moved his way up in the business into the corporate area. It's not there anymore, but Chris led me in the right direction of um, to be a, a good salesperson. Um, I think I understood Chris and understood where he came in. I think uh, Chris understood me. But there's lots of other guys, you know. I've got Viv Canelli, who was one of my um, bosses at one stage of the game in Coates. Um, he was a great guy to work with. He's a guy, another guy I looked up to. Simon Gillies. You know, there's so many of them, you know. Simon was very hard to... Uh, he likes to be challenged all the time and uh, he likes to challenge you all the time. But I, th I think he made me a, a pretty strong guy within, within the higher industry or not just the higher industry and the person I am today. And, and I still think about a lot of things he used to tell me. But, you know, there's, there's so many people, you know, Adrian Manning, who's still in the business today, you know, very smart bloke. He's been around the game all that most of his life. Um, another guy that... Um, that I, uh, I've always looked up to and, and, and took notes and stored them on the shelf. And if I didn't want them, I, I left them on there. If I wanted them, I, I pulled them off the shelf. In saying, you know, the CEOs, you know, that you know that I, I looked up to. And one bloke that I, I thought was a very good CEO, and that was Malcolm Jackman. 
Malcolm, he knew everyone in the business. He'd walked down that corridor and a guy reached out to you and said, how's your family going? How's your wife? How's things going out there? You know, everything all good? Um, and it wasn't just me. He did it to everybody. Anyone he walked past, anyone could be in one of the branches. Um, and that that's that's what brings good mentor. Brings mentor like people want to work for the business because your leader of the business is taking care of you. <laughs> you know, he, he's interested in you. He's interested in his people. He's interested in his people. Then they're interested in what they want them to be interested in, and that's your customer. They're just a a few you know, like Greg Parfit. <laughs> Now CEO of you know Orange Bio, I always looked up to Greg. Greg was a very strong man, and he was willing to to listen to you. And he took on board what you had. You know, sometimes he gave way a little bit, and sometimes not. Nah, we've got to do this. You know, and yeah. He, he, but he was all about his people. So if you could go back to 1990, let's go back a while and give some advice to your younger self. What would you say? Good question, matey. A good question. Um, in my younger self, look at yourself, look at someone that you can always look up to. Get that older person that has that experience and get alongside and work with him and stay with them because they're the ones that are going to make you stronger in your career, whatever career you take in working career. But get beside someone that, that's been around for a long time in that industry. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, that's all I can say about that, I think. Yeah, I, I, so the key I don't thing know. there is like, don't, this journey isn't made to be done on your own. You're not meant to go out and just live your life by yourself. Like you learn from others, grow with others, be with others. You're growing as a team. Uh, that's it's right. It's an individual it, thing. It's, it's definitely not an individual thing. It's not all about yourself. It's about the whole business or the whole people in that business. It's about everybody. And it's about working together and helping each other out. And, yeah, just just work with those other people and, 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 and get on with people. doesn't matter what uh, nationality you are or who you are or what you are in that business. Be that one team. Work, work and help each other out. So how do you define success? Um, success, this is kind of an open, open-ended question without a right. Or wrong answer, I suppose, and it provides uh, provides a super opportunity, super opportunities for you to demonstrate through the for your answers and body language. Success is all about motivation, being motivated. Success is all about being a good communicator. Success is about delivering on what you say you're going to deliver. Never say no to anyone. Even if you can't get over the problem you're trying to get over, just take it on board. Get someone to help you out if you can't get over and be that team player. Do it together and work as one team. Very wise words, Grant. I can see why you've had such a a great career and there's a lot of respect for you within the industry for sure. All right, Grant. Well, look, I really want to appreciate and thank you uh, for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. No, Mark, thank you for having me. This podcast episode was brought to you by our premier partner, Kenatai.